This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. President Biden recently announcing a plan to see if those with student loan debt could receive a benefit from the federal government. He would like to cancel $10,000 in loan debt to people making $150,000 a year or less, $300,000 per person per couple. This was one of his campaign talking points when running for office. Student loan debt, obviously a big problem in this country in the trillions of dollars. This bill would take about $230 billion off the ledgers of those loans and come at a time when loan payments have been on hold due to the pandemic. But is it the right idea? Wharton Finance Professor Michael Roberts joins us with his thoughts. Michael, appreciate the time today. Thank you, sir. No, thanks for having me. So when this first came about, what was your reaction to the president's plan? Uh, It was mixed. It's sort of a complex problem that's being tackled by a very blunt solution. Uh, So he's going to forgive $10,000. I don't think that helps the people who really need the help or, you know, hundred or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And then there's the question of, is it fair to transfer that burden from one group in society to another group? Now, this resonates personally with me because, uh, you know, I had student loans in graduate school that I had to pay off. Uh, it would have been nice to not have to do that, but, uh, you know, I did. So yeah, it's, a t- it's a tough problem. I'm not sure this is the right solution. And I think the the question of, of student loan debt, though, is, is one from a larger perspective. As you said, you paid off student loans. I had loans when I was in college as well. Uh, that does need to be addressed and looked at deeper uh, because of the impact that the loans and, and the uh, the weight that they carry for so many people for, in some cases, decades at this point. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you're if you're coming out of undergraduate with hundreds of thousands of dollars, in debt and you don't have a a job that is going to allow you to pay that down it's going to be a rough road for decades exactly as you described and so the question is what's the solution there i think there's two ways to think about it dan there's sort of the well after the fact here's where we are what do we do now to help these people and a ten thousand dollar relief is not going to help them it's just not you know, right. bringing it down from 200 to 190,000 isn't, isn't the solution. Uh, and then there's sort of a uh, uh, sort of, you know, how can we avoid this? And that's a separate discussion, but one that revolves around should people be getting into that kind of significant debt if they're not going to go into a profession that will allow them right. to eventually pay off that debt? Uh, so, so two different perspectives to the to the problem requiring very different solutions. So, one of the things that I've heard in, in recent uh, days about that dynamic specifically is that the people that are carrying those really large sums of student debt are probably ones that went into fields like doctors or lawyers, and probably should be making a high level of pay and would have a better time of paying that off. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? So I don't know the data, and so I'll be careful with what I say. But if that is indeed the case, certainly um, they don't need relief, right? They'll they'll be earning enough to not only take care of their debt load, their debt burden, but also to live, you know, comfortably. The problem really comes in when there's a mismatch or a disconnect between the amount of debt someone is building up in school and the the 
salary of their chosen profession, right? That, that's the problem. What about the component of, of the debt that it would add to, uh, to the country at this point to, to add that amount on top of it? Obviously, we're, we're a country that carries so much debt to begin with, and maybe to a degree this would be a small percentage of that, but still you're adding on to what is an already increasing amount of debt over the last few years as well. Yeah, you are. I mean, I mean, the the problem is someone's got to pay for that debt, right? It's yeah. just a question of who's going to pay for it. So, is the student that takes out the debt going to pay for their borrowing, or are other taxpayers going to pay for that student's debt? Just like we are all going to have to pay, to varying degrees, uh, the debt, our, our national debt. So, so someone's going to pay. And it's a question of who should pay. And that's a, that's a tough question. I don't think it's as easy as some people uh, suggest it, it is. Um, so my, my personal view, I, I, I think, is just one view is I think we need to make responsible financial decisions in our lives. And, and I say that having made several irresponsible financial decisions in my life yeah. that, yeah. I, you know, I had to pay for. It's a, it's a tough question, but, but that, that's the ultimate question, Dan, is who's going to pay for this debt? Because someone's got to pay for it. So this goes to also some work that you're doing through the Wharton Global Youth Program about financial literacy and financial education. And, and really the fact that we need to have a better understanding around finance for kids earlier on in their lives. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So, so let me let me first uh, back up and say, I'm not interested in financial literacy. I, I don't really like the the term, and I don't like what it stands for. I, I don't want kids to be financially literate. I don't want them to be able to speak about finance in the same way I don't want my kids to be able to speak about swimming. I want them to know how to swim. And so I, I'm really on a mission of financial proficiency. I want these high school students that we're working with this summer, a fantastic group of kids, to walk out of a two-week program and be not finan- just financially literate, but to be financially proficient, to be able to tackle the personal and professional, eventually professional, financial challenges they're going to face throughout their life. And as we're, we've just been discussing, they're going to start facing these big life-changing financial decisions in high school. Yeah. So that, that, that's what we want to do is we want to equip them to, to, to handle these problems. How do you think then, and, and we're obviously seeing more and more states uh, come on board with wanting to have uh, a component of fi- a financial education in, uh, in schools, but how do we go about that? Because it's, it's obviously significantly lacking from a variety of fronts right now in terms of uh, of what is taught, having the right people to teach it. You know, there are a lot of components that really need to be factored in here. Well, you, you nailed it, Dan. That, that's exactly right. I, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I'm excited that uh, governments are recognizing the importance of finance as a life skill. But I'm, I'm concerned or nervous about how it's going to be implemented, right? The devil's really in the details. As you said, are the people teaching it going to be sufficiently trained? Is the material going to be uh, sufficient to equip kids to make the decisions they need to make? Uh, You know, 
that those are the those are the real big unknowns and the implications of getting it wrong are profound and, and that would lead us all kind of circling back to what we were talking about before is making those right decisions as you're coming out of high school and you're either going to college or in some cases maybe it's not going to college and getting you a job or going to a community college and really understanding what the right path has to be for each individual so that they are not in that group of people that are $100,000, $200,000 in debt. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and the fact that many high school students in this country do not go to college, that they go to work uh, right out of high school, or maybe they go to work at the family business, or maybe they're entrepreneurial, they need to know not just how to budget and save for themselves, but they need to know how to make business decisions at, at, a, at sort of a, a fundamental level. Not, not high-level mergers and acquisitions, but, you know, how do I read a P&L? How do I decide whether I should, you know, buy some new product or expand my business a little bit or enter this market? And so it's critical that high school kids get this exposure while they're in high school. And I'll tell you something else. They are more than capable of handling the material. It just needs to be delivered in the right manner. Cool. So circling back to the, the student loan uh, debt issue, uh, what, what are some of the options that you think are, are, are maybe on the table that are a best-case scenario at this point? If, if this plan is not the best-case scenario, what might need to be considered at this point? Yeah, well, well, that's the trillion-dollar question. <laughs> Literally. Uh, yeah, I, that's why I say that. Um, and so if, I, if there was an easy solution that, that I knew of, I, I'd be screaming it from the top of my lungs. But, but I, I don't know what the right solution is. Uh, and that really comes down to our macroeconomists and policymakers thinking through the broader implications. Because it's very easy to say, oh, you know, let's just forgive the debt. Okay, great. You forgive the debt, but you're not help really helping the people. A and B, you're making you're you're strapping a whole bunch of other people with that problem. So, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm kind of punting on this question. Admittedly, yeah. I don't yeah. know what the right answer is, but but I do know what the wrong answer is, and and it seems to be. I'm not a big fan of the current proposal. Are are, are you? I guess you you mentioned about being cautiously optimistic about where we're going in terms of of having a better understanding of finance uh, with obviously still a lot in play. That being said, I, I it sounds like you are concerned at maybe to the level we have gotten at this point in not having an under, not having the right understanding. I, you know, as I said a minute ago, I don't think the solution to uh, the financial challenges people face is financial literacy. In other words, you know, understanding what a credit card is and a savings account, that, that's great. But that, that's not going to help you when you're sitting down with a mortgage broker and trying to, to decide on a mortgage product what you should, you know, how you should finance your house or, or whether you right. should refinance your mortgage or what you right. should invest in. And sort of farming it out to experts or algorithms, I don't view that as a particularly great idea in many instances. So, you know, the real solution lies in this notion of financial proficiency, which I, I'm I don't know whether the states are, are aware of and whether or not they're going to be teaching it to their high school students, because I think anything less is really doing them a disservice. 
and I guess you can also use the example from from where we are at the Warden School, where we see so many people that that go the path of entrepreneurship. Uh, is you know we know that entrepreneurship is a, is a significant component in this country, but you want to be able to understand a lot of the basic components you need to know before you kind of go down that path in the in the first place. Yeah, that's exactly right, and, and I think it's important to emphasize that the goal is not to train a bunch of future investment bankers. The goal is to get people proficient with finance in a manner that allows them to make smart financial decisions in their personal lives and smart financial decisions in their professional lives, entrepreneurship included. Great conversation, Michael. Thanks very much for your insight. We will stay in touch with you on this because this is unfortunately not a uh, uh, not a situation that's going to be going away anytime soon. I greatly appreciate you joining us today. All the best. Thanks for having me. Michael Roberts, who is a finance professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.